Welcome to the About Sex Podcast. I'm Joshua Skirtu, and with me as always is my lovely wife, Angela Skirtu. Hi. Hi, Angela. How are you? I'm good. And we have a mystery guest today. He wants to be anonymous. We're going to call him Chris. Hi, Chris. How's it going? It's going (laughs) great. So today we are talking about... Let's introduce Angela real quick. (laughs) I forgot. It's okay. I'm a marriage therapist, licensed marriage therapist in Missouri, and ASEC certified sex therapist. Right. Thank you, honey. And Chris, (laughs) tell us a little bit about yourself, Anonymous, what you kind of, what you, why you're here. What are you here to talk about? So I'm here today to talk about sex work. I'm also interested to talk about non-monogamous relationships. I'm interested to talk about identity um, within sex work. Uh, and just my journey throughout life. Uh, it's been very interesting for sure. Okay. We love life journeys, so that'll yeah. be fun. Oh, yeah. Everybody <laughs> loves a journey. That's, it can be good and bad. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, why did you get into sex work? That's a first question. So the biggest reason for me was money. Uh, right. At the point in time, uh, I was... Uh, working a job that I really enjoyed, uh, working with high school and college students, and I really loved their work. However, uh, the pay was not great at all. Uh, And so it was a point in which I was working a couple of part-time jobs on the side as well, and I was working like 70, 80 hours a week, and it just wasn't realistic for me to continue that pace. And so for me, I just had to make that executive decision that – I feel like I can make some money off of this opportunity. Uh, And so I went with it. And then I think another part of it was for selfish reasons. So uh, I've been at that time, I had been in a non-monogamous relationship for about seven months. And I was actually interested in dating men at that time. And I actually had not had a lot of previous experience with male intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I saw it as an opportunity to practice on other men. And so when I got the time to where I was personally ready to date, I feel like I at least know what I was doing. Yeah, you got a little (laughs) practice in there. Did anybody introduce you to it? Did you like research it beforehand? Did you meet people who are like, this is what we do. You should do it too. Like, how did you even learn about this as a line of work? So, um through um, some local organizations, I found myself connecting with other sex workers. Uh, And so that was a really empowering experience to get to have an understanding of their experience um, and kind of their journey. And so from that, um, I just kind of went with it. And then I had a conversation with my partner about it and she was super supportive with that. And she was so, okay with it. Super okay with it. She was nice like, girlfriend. <laughs> get out there, make some money, then you get to buy me some jewelry, right? That, <laughs> we all like jewelry. Story, right? <laughs> they like shiny stuff. Uh-huh. Or maybe she was open too. Or <laughs> yeah, she was a little bit. You were, you were, was it already a non It was already non-monogamous. So you were already open to having sex with other people. Mm-hmm. But she was like, yeah, if you can get paid on top. Right. Hey, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so how does your... Uh, how do you do it? You mentioned you do a erotic massage. That's what you kind of focus on? Yes. Uh, so for me, that was kind of uh, my niche that I carved out for myself. So I personally, um, I don't know. I think uh, even though I'm a sex worker, I think the act of intercourse is a very, um, it's a very intimate and personal act. 
Oh and yeah, so for it, that's me, why we call it intimacy. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah. so for me, it's a big part of it. For me, I wanted to have the power to choose in right. which what I can do with certain people, and mm-hmm. so through erotic massage, for me, I can kind of set my own boundaries, mm-hmm. uh, and I really wanted to make sure that in my sex work, I was doing things in which I was comfortable with and I was in control of. Right, mm-hmm. and so for me. Erotic massage was even, a way to do that. Did you even have it like in your own environment? Like you set where it was or did you go to like your clients places? Um, so I was pretty flexible in the beginning. Uh, I would more so travel to other clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I actually had a friend of mine who actually offered up their place oh. uh, to use. So that was really cool yeah. um, mm-hmm. to have that outlet because at the time my apartment was very small and really wasn't conducive. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. What, what a, I, I really like talking about sexual boundaries, so I'm kind of curious how you have that conversation with your clients, what it looks like. Um, yeah, how do you go from, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a little bit of massage to... Because I think that's an important part side. of sex mm-hmm. in general, being able to set clear boundaries with people. So how do you do it in your line of work? For sure. Um, so for me, um, I make sure all of those boundaries are negotiated before I even meet that person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so when I'm reaching out to clients, you know, I explained to them that, you know, this is a erotic massage. It's an hour massage, deep tissue. And afterwards it's a happy ending mm-hmm. of your choice, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's oral hand job or rimming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what's rimming well, rimming. Yeah. Some people don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, analingus or oh, eating okay. ass. I see. Basically. <laughs> I see. Right. So you Toss all know. Toss the salad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Uh-huh. And so, yeah. And so based on that, um, I typically get a response. Sometimes people will ask, you know, what about intercourse? And then based on that, I'll negotiate. And, you know, if it's intercourse, it's more. And so once that's negotiated, then we meet um, and not until that. So okay. do you yeah. get paid mm-hmm. up front? Um, or is that an OK question? I don't know if I was crossing so you the know, line there. That's an interesting <laughs> dynamic. So a lot of my um, sex working friends, they make sure that they get their money up front. Uh-huh. Um, before they perform the act yeah for me um i typically don't i typically leave it up to the client i've yeah. luckily have never had an experience in which someone has shorted me or tried to um yeah i don't to yeah. try to get over you've it. never had that problem yeah. no and well, you're I think, pretty tall man yeah, i don't think it's a different <laughs> dynamic because like, i'm six four yeah. and it's like it's yeah. like yeah. what are you what are you trying to <laughs> do like, with me like really I, I think i could take you but i don't think most people could <laughs> It would be tough. I don't know if we're going to have a fight on the live stream, guys. <laughs> but I am curious about safety. Like, have mm-hmm. there ever been safety concerns in this line of work for you? I mean, that's one of the things that's kind of always in the back of your mind. Um, you know, yeah. you hear stories of, you know, police raids and yeah. all that kind yeah. of thing. And so, Stings. Yeah. yeah, you know, the reality of the situation is, um, you know, society has a lot of negative views towards sex work and in, and in many ways it's demonized and it so is. it is yeah, yeah it's like you kind of got to always have your head on a swivel and like paying attention mm-hmm. at all times have you you've never had a cop try to like no 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 fortunately yeah yeah that's good what are your thoughts about legalization of um like uh I, they we don't we don't call it sex work but like maybe um pro, like in the 
prostitution would be prostitution what they do. I mean, sex work yeah what, what do you much. what do you think about that how do you think um we could protect sex workers mm. <laughs> i think it's a good thing yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean it's legal in nevada and they have a good system their sex mm-hmm. workers are protected they have to use protection they have to get mm-hmm. regularly tested for stds so mm-hmm. then there's also videos and, watching to make sure people are safe and actually mm-hmm. i think they have a rule where the sex worker has to actually see the other person's genitals before they go back so they mm-hmm. can approve to make sure there's oh, no interesting. surprises. I don't know if that's a real rule, but what no, are your no, thoughts no. on No, no, no. I saw an actual study it. on okay, okay. I don't know if it was just in Reno. I will or inspect you. I don't know if it was just Reno brothels <laughs> or if it was all of Nevada, huh. but I know that was the rule they had there. Um, for me, I think it's a no-brainer that I, that that should be legalized. Um, you know, I think sex, sex work is the oldest profession in human history. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, and yeah, I think it's a real travesty that it's not. Yeah. Um, I always have this conversation with uh, my sex working friends that um, sex work is literally the most important job in this planet. And it I feel is. like if yeah. sex workers around the globe were to take two weeks off, <laughs> I feel like it would be chaos. It would be chaos. The same two be. weeks are like scattered. Yeah, no, like everybody at the same they time, all went on two strike. weeks off. Yeah. It's like you're going on strike. She would hit the fan. Oh no! I need that plug for my computer. Oh, here it is. Okay. Sorry, no. we're about to lose the stream. Okay, I'm glad Battery you didn't. Battery was not plugged in. <laughs> Oops. So you know, you say that like them being two weeks off would be a big deal. Like, what kind of impact do you see sex workers having on the culture and mm. on people? So one of the things um, that I've gotten the opportunity to kind of realize, I guess, through my experience. Um, is that it's so much more than sex. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes I think that I'm like Dr. Phil or something. Like yeah. my clients like come therapy. to me with all types of issues, whether it's with their wife or you know, with children or things going on. And so it's yeah, it's a level of care that I didn't anticipate that I would have to do. Yeah. Um there's a lot of emotional baggage that yeah. exists within my clients yeah and sometimes it's not intentional but they just kind of leave it on me yeah. uh and so like there's a lot more than just sex it's like they're talking to you and telling you their problems and just somebody to unload on for and, sure and unload well, and on. it may be the only <laughs> form of therapeutic touch or healing touch yeah. they experience yeah. at yeah. all like people with disabilities sometimes yeah they we heard about the hand angels. Yeah. Wonderful we did organization. About that. <laughs> yeah. We did an episode about that where they give hand jobs to people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. It's a volunteer organization. Because mm-hmm. honestly, I see sex as a human right. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you can't get it cause you have disability or you're in an awkward kind of person, like mm-hmm. you should have a way of getting it. Mm-hmm. Which by the way, the world health organization agrees with you. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it is they a human right. Are, Everybody yeah. has a right to yeah. have intimacy and to feel loved and connected mm-hmm. yep. to other yeah. people. Mm-hmm. So we want to talk a little bit about race and sex work. You're okay. African-American, mm-hmm. or, and you said there's a little bit of a... Tell us tell more. Tell us more about this. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> um, so do you, do you not think that you get as many clients, or do you think people uh, pick and choose more differently? Or Quite the opposite. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And I think this is more so has a lot to do with gay culture as well. Mm-hmm. Um, men who are masculine and have athletic builds mm-hmm. um, are coveted. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, and so they are considered kind of like the cream of the crop. And yep. so for me, I think it's quite the opposite when um, I don't post any pictures or anything on my advertisement, but I think just reading my statistics alone that I'm 6'4", black, I have tattoos, athletic build, mm-hmm. six-pack, Big oh, black wow. cock. They're like, yeah, they're I ready just to learned go. what the BBC was a couple sessions <laughs> yeah, ago. They're, yeah, they're ready to go. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's I anonymous. Said, I said, can I ask? <laughs> you don't have to say yes. Uh, I'm, I'm seven, seven and a half inches. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so one. you all know. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Hey, he said big black cock. Let's well, hear how I mean, big it is. I guess we have to explore that, right? Yeah. BBC, yeah. What does that mean? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but back to race. <laughs> but you're also you're also an athletic build. You, have, yeah. you look like you're fit. You exercise probably every day, yeah? Uh, Not every day. Oh, I'd say okay. about two, three times a week. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Once you get there, it's just about maintaining, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, earlier, before we started taping, you started talking about financial poti- potential. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what's the difference between, like, white men and black men and how they're earning money in this field? Yeah. So this was something that I found really interesting in my research, um, specifically with uh, male sex workers. Um, so white men um, earn the most mm-hmm. uh, in terms of sex workers, but in terms of earning potential, uh, black men who are uh, masculine and dominant have the highest earning potential. Hmm. Uh, and I saw, I thought that that was really interesting um, and frustrating at the same time. Uh, I think a lot of times in media, uh, a particular image of the black men is kind of demonized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, that same image is secretly coveted. Yeah. yeah. And by white men. And so it's, it's yeah, it's interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, how do you see, um, how do you see black men being demonized in culture? Wow. Oh, um, wow. Is that okay? I'm just, <laughs> oh, you just, I wanted to talk about race. You ask yeah. how black men are demonizing culture. Like, wow. They call, <laughs> I know it exists. I, I would our, like to hear it. <laughs> I think our president has called them thugs. Like as general, just something like that. Yeah, I yeah, think that that the imagery, uh, whether that's um, being seen in the um, in the news, whether mm-hmm. that's seen through entertainment, right? Um, pigeonholing black men into certain categories, you must be some type of athlete or some type of rapper. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think by and large, there's a fear and a stigma when it comes to black men, and yeah. it's uh, very unfortunate. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I <laughs> want to say something on that though. So, like, you're you're talking about images of like shame, like shame around being a black man. But what one thing I've been talking with my clients a lot about is that the dirty underbelly of shame is excitement mm. and intense eroticism. Mm. <laughs> so really, they just want to bang you. Well, mm. it's the more shameful something is, the more people desire it mm. in a very undertoned sort of way. It's kind of like affairs. There's a like. Affairs are something everybody would mostly agree so, is something shameful, but then that's what makes them so intoxicating because yeah. they're like wrong or taboo. Oh, we're not supposed to do this. Yeah. And oh. so I do think you probably have some great earning potential. Maybe it's about marketability. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just travesty that there is so much negative. And we have all the Black Lives Matter movement going on mm-hmm. right now. And unfortunately, a lot of times young black men are automatically targeted by police mm-hmm. as criminal just because they're walking down the street. Yeah. That's it. If I'm walking down the street up in my neighborhood over here, I won't get pulled over. Mm-hmm. But if you did, you might. Yeah. I don't know. Have you been pulled over by the police here? Um, 
you know, it's it's one of the, those things that I've encountered throughout my life, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's 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 one of those things that uh, it's frustrating, and it's one of those things <clears throat> that you have to deal with um, yeah. because it's something that I can't change. It's something mm-hmm. that's beyond my control, right? And for me, um, I think just surrounding myself with like-minded individuals who like appreciate me for who I am yeah. I think is the key um and yeah you have to choose your battles because I think it's opportunities in which you can educate people mm-hmm. but at the same time you have to take your own self-care and right. realize oh, it's yeah. not your op- it's not your obligation to educate people right especially no. in this information age right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can right. google it right yeah. <laughs> well there's also a lot of misinformation on the other side that's true like yeah. there are people who are trying to like take the lives matter thing and throw a different word in the yeah. front to distract from the point of it, yeah. which is that black lives matter. Yes, all lives matter, but guess what? Our black neighbors need our help more right yeah. now. And I think mm-hmm. that's what people kind of don't understand. For sure. Yeah. So why don't we talk a little bit about how your non-monogamous relationship works right now? Like, how does that work out being yeah. a sex worker? Uh, like, it's a never a dull moment. Is there any, <laughs> is there any, is there any jealousy or tension? Conflict or with you it? know what? Not really. No. I think most of the jealousy has, um, come into play through, uh, my partner and I's casual dating. Yeah. Um, because, or, oh. I will say that for us, or I think from my partner's perspective, she knows that I'm not going to like fall in love with any of my clients or anything like that. There's clear boundaries around it. It's less of a threat because you're just there and Mm -hmm. then you're done. It's a job. It's a job. For sure. But with an actual relationship with somebody going out on dates, them stealing time from you that's not work time. Or trying to steal you from the relationship. I yeah. know that that happens sometimes. Not no, always, but... No, no don't do that. <laughs> no, no. Well, so what are some conflicts you guys have uh, gone through in the casual dating situation? Yeah, so one of the interesting things um, that we had to navigate and I had to kind of check myself on uh, was actually... Um, with my partner and I's intimate life. So through my sex work, um, I get worship a lot. Um, and it's one of those you get things. Worship? What does that mean? Worship. So like a lot of my clients like really crave like athletic builds, mm-hmm. um, black men in particular. And mm-hmm. so like they're super handsy, like all over me. <laughs> and so like, all over yeah. You. And so, and I'll, oftentimes, really, really like, oh, oh, this BBC, this is great. Yeah. You feel really desired <laughs> at for that sure. Moment. And yeah. then within those particular acts, I really don't have to do a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's and, all of them. And so what was interesting, interesting. was some of that actually carried into my partner and I's sex life. And yeah. so in many ways, I feel like I got lazy. You got um, in terms of <laughs> foreplay, in terms of intimacy, yeah. in, in terms of making sure that my partner's need needs were met, and yeah. she actually called me out on that. Yeah. Uh, and so that was a really powerful moment for me because I had to step back and I'm like, whoa, like I need to check myself. Sometimes because she needs to feel that desire for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I, I always say this to clients. So like, if ever I get really hot clients in my sessions, um, I always see that happening. If there's two hot people in a relationship, they both have gotten used to like 
not having to do much. And mm-hmm. so it's quite a common problem for them both to feel sexually untaken care of. Them. Yeah. Because they're used to everybody doing the initiating mm-hmm. for them and yeah. like everything you're describing. Oh, yeah. We totally have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. No, you got to learn how to do the work. I mean, there's there's effort to put into intimacy mm-hmm. so that you oh, both yeah. feel loved and pleased, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I could totally see that happening. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other questions on that? Uh, so you mentioned um, earlier the boyfriend experience. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. What is the boyfriend experience? So uh, basically the boyfriend experience is um, basically how it sounds. Uh, yeah. So for that particular, you know, two hours to six hours you know yeah. i'm that person's boyfriend oh you'll do like six oh, hours like with a you'll client. go out on a date yeah, or they'll not go with every, you to a wedding not, or something yeah not every <laughs> scenario but you know it will usually have you entail, gone to a wedding uh i haven't that <laughs> would be really that would be a good boyfriend experience they show up with you and be like whoa but she's i have a doing plus good. one just to like shove it in right. your lover's yeah. face oh. <laughs> our ex-lover oh if you're there to your ex's wedding yeah wow well look what i've got in your face who invites their ex to the wedding some people People do they try to like you know be friends or whatever <laughs> oh yeah i want to be friends with all of my what's exes. the most unique boyfriend experience you've ever been on <clears throat> hmm well i don't think he actually finished describing oh the yeah you should experience. finish and then we her. bunny trails <laughs> so be careful Sorry, about that you can call us back so like during <laughs> that six hours what happens is it yeah like- so it usually is some type of date mm-hmm. um that occurs it can be um you know somewhere out to like a movie or somewhere out to dinner hmm. uh and then afterwards you know go back to their place and then have some intimate time yeah. and you know there's usually lots of cuddling involved and stuff yeah. like that mm-hmm. and so it's very much like a boyfriend experience and that's like, probably a little more comfortable for some clients because mm-hmm. you don't want to just walk into the room and be like that's it time to get on it you yeah know? you're mm-hmm. human beings yeah. you want to connect, you wanna with connect somebody. on that some level sense. talk mm-hmm. you know yeah that sounds interesting mm-hmm. okay so now the question about the coolest story <laughs> or the interesting an, story uninteresting story <laughs> um i haven't had like too many like wow moments um or I, most exciting you know um like he took you on a plane or something <laughs> <laughs> so I've had gotten offers to get like flown out to Florida, yeah. and uh-huh. so that that hasn't really materialized. You haven't done that, um, no, 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 okay. because I don't know, because it's a whole another. Somebody's level. offering to take you to Florida. They got beaches there, man. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, yeah, but like, who's he gonna meet out there? He's never like I don't know. I, I, maybe so be I great. think this more so has to do with this specific client. Yeah. So like the idea of me spending an extended amount of time with this person it's just like oh this is gonna be a lot yeah <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of work <laughs> like you have to do a whole weekend maybe the money is good, good point. Though. i didn't think ah. about that yeah well, i mean think uh-huh. of even therapy you know it's like cut to 45 minutes or an yeah. hour and a half and then it's mm-hmm. like okay that was tough but mm-hmm. i get to leave this <laughs> right. well, with that i think you would want to set some solid boundaries mm-hmm. like I had you would set your four to six hour window that you're mm-hmm. with them for the day. You'd need alone time. You yeah. have your own time. You have <laughs> your own sure. hotel suite. You know, be out on your own a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't want to be 24 hours with somebody. I don't even want to be that with, with that. Her. Like we can't do that all the time. No. We need time. Mm-hmm. We do I mean, alone. She time. overwhelms me. I gotta take <laughs> some time down. <laughs> I have that kind of personality. She's just too wonderful, right? <laughs> I know it's true. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, you know, I wanted to ask a question. I was looking it. at your page that you sent us, and you said you're a storyteller can Mm -hmm. you tell me a little bit about how you're a storyteller um so i'm a storyteller in that um 
I see the value of stories. Um, I think that it's so very important to share narratives, especially from uh, marginalized communities. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think one of the ways in which we can cure racism and kind of heal some of the oppression that happens is to make sure that um, stories from people of color are heard uh, and validated. Um, because we don't see those stories a lot um, in media and in our everyday lives. And so when you have an opportunity to share your story, uh, whether that's your failures, whether that's um, your successes, um, whether it's your pain, I think it's so important to share because it's a learning experience, not just for yourself, but for the people that you share it with. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, well, and story is how people kind of connect. I was just in a writer's group and they were talking about how like you can just do an information dump, but people don't remember it as well as if you put it in story form. Then that has a way of like driving it home for people. They really Mm -hmm. remember that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what stories do you normally tell? Um, You got a good one? So one (laughs) one uh, interesting story. um, I got invited to speak at a uh, conference a conference it was for um, LGBT allies mm-hmm. uh, and it was um, a situation in which I was invited to um, share uh, some of my ex- experience experiences as a queer black male uh, and so through this um, I shared kind of three short stories um, the first story um, was me uh, actually getting bullied when I was younger Uh, When I was at uh, a summer camp, uh, I had actually um, got assaulted by someone. Uh, And so that was a really um, traumatic experience for me. Yeah. Um, And it also taught me a lot about how you should act in society. And if you are any side, any way outside of the norm. Yeah. um, You're considered. Yeah. Something is wrong with you. Yeah. Um, and, and people will target you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a similar thing when I was a, a young yeah. kid. Yeah. Um, the second story was me sharing uh, in which I was uh, actually taunting and making fun of uh, someone else uh, yeah. for being gay. Um, and that was an interesting story because through that, I realized that I was making fun of someone else. Uh, when in actuality, I was terrified of being myself. Yeah. And I was actually yeah. making fun of this person for being themselves. How uh, long did it take you to realize that? Was it like well, it right away? Years. Okay. It took yeah. years for me to realize that. Yeah. Um, I've heard it's hard to come out in the black community. Yeah. Would you agree with this? Yeah. yeah I think that Why is that? <sighs> you think there's a lot of religious ba- yeah, foundations? Yeah, I think religion has a women. lot to do with it. Um, I think. Um, masculinity like that has a lot to yeah. do with it I think the over sexualization of black people in general yeah um, I think all of those kind of factors kind of melt into this like really toxic environment yeah um, in which we are literally raising our youth to be straight yeah and anything outside of that is like no like, no nah, they treat them bad and they try I've heard to- <laughs> stories where they're completely disowned mm-hmm. um, yeah well, that happens in. I mean, I know it happens all yeah. across, but I, I heard you, it's a higher percentage. So you you you're queer, bisexual. Yeah, some you bisexual, identify? queer. Can yeah. you define what that queer is for me? Because I keep having it defined, and I think it's a little yeah ambiguous like, for me. I like <laughs> the term queer because for me, it's kind of like an umbrella term. Mm-hmm. I think for me, queer encompasses 
pretty much anything that's not straight. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so for me, I think that's really awesome because that can include um, bi, that can include gay, lesbian, that can include trans, mm-hmm. um, that can include asexual, um, all of those things that are not straight. Right. LGBTQ, <laughs> yeah. w, everything. Mm-hmm. everything. We just you don't fit in end. your heteronormative society. Yeah. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that's a good definition. <laughs> so you identify as bisexual, yep. queer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What were we talking about? Well, we were talking about a lot of things. Yeah, well, the stories. The stories. Uh, yeah. the Sometimes stories. we bunny trail. I'm sorry, I bunny yeah. trail. No and she doesn't keep me on track. We, oh, yeah. then we're out of this. We're out okay, of it. what are the stories? Yeah. Continue. And so, and so the last story for that conference <laughs> was actually me sharing the uh, coming out story to my current partner. Uh, and so that was really... Um, it was a really tough time for me. Um, and I really... I don't know, for some reason, I felt comfortable sharing that with her. And the fact that she was so open and so accepting of me for that, I think, really kind of changed my trajectory and like Mm -hmm. how I live my life. Uh, And so I kind of told those stories to kind of pull together that we really need to change the narrative on how we educate ourselves and educate our youth. Um, I think. We so much focus on the conversation of the birds and the bees, but mm-hmm. we have to realize it's so much more to nature. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the sun, the clouds, other insects. There's the <laughs> soil. There's so many different, different parts kinds that of comes into that. Yeah. Exactly. There could be a robin, blue jay. You never know. For what's sure. Coming. And I, <laughs> watch out for the crows. For yeah. sure. <laughs> they talk. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just feel like we're we're just obligated to give that education to people because yeah. there's so many ways in which you can express yourself. Yeah. And I feel like it's a tragedy to make people subscribe subscribe to this heteronormative mm-hmm. way of life. Right. And that's part of why we do the podcast is we want to learn about open, all different sexual types walls. yeah well i don't think people realize just how heteronormative their lifestyle is you know like even books like so um i'm, I'm an author and i remember them when they would do the reviews of my proposals they'd say we don't want you to use a heteronormative um mo- model and so they would encourage me to like in- include like case studies of different uh couples which i i mean i agree to but it was interesting that they were like thinking about that because for therapists we need to be um talking to a wider population mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. just straight couples not just straight couples mm-hmm. yeah and I, I remember like in the past somebody said you know you should call it couples counseling instead of marriage uh-huh. counseling but the good news everybody can get married now mm-hmm. that's the awesome thing but this not everybody is... believes in marriage too. oh i totally understand that <laughs> couple so you do couples and marriage counseling but it's everything it's everything it's everything mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. are you out to your family and uh so i recently came out uh last year uh yeah. via facebook oh wow oh, uh, so you went out really wide we had a yeah. family member do that yeah and so yeah. Um, but everybody loved him everybody that, loved him yeah yeah and so it was crazy because um that conversation that i had at that conference um the uh humans of st louis uh blog was actually there yeah uh and so had a conversation with them and afterwards uh, we did a collaboration and they released my stories through their blog. Yeah. And so basically I just released that article. And so if anybody read it in its entirety, they would realize, you know, that I'm queer. Yeah. And so. And it had was, your name attached to it. Yeah. Were, and so, yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. that was, yeah, that was intense. Yeah. And so oh, yeah. for yeah. me, um, I was overwhelmed at the amount of love that I received from friends, from complete strangers. Wow. Um, 
I did receive some pushback um, from family, um, which was frustrating. Um, and yeah, it's kind yeah. of like, how'd you deal with it? It wasn't the, it wasn't, I guess for them, they were more so concerned about the way that I came out. Cause it was uh, public. Yeah. And it was in well, that's public because form. they themselves have shame about it. Well, I think and it's that's their problem. I think it's also really? that like it, I think it's hard to have to keep coming out again and again yeah. and again mm-hmm. in these different ways. Like, are so you like have Facebook a convers- is a way to just blast and say, look, yeah. you all know now I don't need to yeah. keep coming yeah. out to you people. Exactly. <laughs> Although yeah. I don't know. Uh, that's my thought. Is it well, different for you? I think it was that. And then also I think through those stories, I think I had an opportunity to um, educate some people mm-hmm. and also provide learning experiences for other people. And so for me, um, I think any backlash where well, I was thinking any type of backlash that I received for this, I think it's worth it because mm-hmm. I think that it was a really powerful story to share. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, people can benefit from it. And it was shown by the love that I got mm-hmm. from after it was posted. That sounds that's awesome. great. Mm-hmm. It's good to get some love coming out. Yeah. 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 Well, no I hate. think that's why we have families of choice too. Like that doesn't mean you're not like family with your family, but like, you got to surround yourself with people who are really loving and supportive of who you are because right. not everybody is like that. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're doing is amazing too, because sometimes I think you do have to kind of drag culture kicking and screaming into yeah. the new, <laughs> into the new age. Like that's old world thinking. Can we move forward in some way? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have any other questions on this? Um. So you mentioned, uh, transparency awareness sex education are there things that you do to Mm -hmm. try to do that things like this is this part of what what you do like do interviews or are there any other ways that you do it yeah so i think that these are opportunities for me to share those stories um Mm -hmm. i also um do work within the local community um Mm -hmm. i set up educational workshops um set up um opportunities for people to be transparent and really Mm -hmm. share their stories and just have opportunities to be vulnerable. Um, I think, um, especially growing up in St. Louis, I think that um, I was not properly sex educated. There were so many things that were missed. And I think because of that, I made so many dumb choices. Um, And so, yeah, just having an opportunity in which people can connect with like-minded individuals and really educate themselves i think it's so important yeah sex education is very important it's so terrible like they we only use abstinence only education we don't go anywhere beyond like um beyond don't do it and then hygiene and and it's so complex i remember we had an entire like multiple weeks in our health class where this was the only sex education we had we had a little mention of condoms and then we had all these photos and videos of all these stds i'm like oh my god i don't want to have sex with that (laughs) and they they threw all these statistics they were like throwing one in four people have stds but they don't tell you that really the most common is herpes which really most people have herpes it's very yeah we all have actually some of the viruses like if you had chicken pox you had a a type of the herpes herpes virus virus. yeah it's a different one but they're still pretty common i was raised in texas i can you can tell by the accent right (laughs) (laughs) he's actually worked out of it so (laughs) i've worked on it yeah (laughs) 
but like because of this lack because of, of education, Missouri, we've looked this up. Uh, Missouri's number one in teen pregnancy, right? Wow. Is it? We huh? looked that up on oh, our sex education. It used to be Texas. We lost that battle. And I we guess. have high we have high numbers of STIs mm. and STDs um, yeah. because people don't know that like they'll even miseducate on condom usage. They'll say it's not 100% effective and they try to over like be over dramatic about how it's not effective. But like it's actually like 99 point something so percent like effective. One in, one in 10,000 to one in 100,000 fail. That means a condom breaks or... Or they didn't put it on correctly. On, or, mm-hmm. or somebody Or maybe they doubled hole. it up and didn't realize that or, might cause uh, more friction. Or <laughs> it was old and expired and they yes. used it past mm-hmm. the date. So the reality is, yes, it's not 100%. A lot of it's user error, though. Pretty damn. Yeah, it's pretty damn good if it's used properly. But with proper sex education, Uh they can actually have closer to 100% because then they know how to properly put it on Mm -hmm. and all that. Well, but it's more than that. Like Sex education is also about how you communicate about sex, how you Mm -hmm. you can feel comfortable to identify. Um, Mm -hmm. Even knowing what it means to be queer, we've had Mm -hmm. to ask that question several times. We didn't get that education. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nobody taught me any of that. So what effects do you see um, that lack of education having on um, either the people around you or yourself and and how you were raised <laughs> wow um, i know big like question, when right? you need like, to speak for the entire population by the way i'm, Sorry. A, I'm assuming a, as a sex worker you do use protection oh yeah so sure. i mean i'm this is a personal question but as a young man did you know to use it or did it not even come to mind uh so it's crazy like <clears throat> my first my earliest experience is with sex. Um, I didn't use condoms because I didn't know how to put them on. Oh. And so, like, wow. that's just, like, sex one-on-one type thing. Right. And I yeah. didn't know, yeah. you know. And so wow. yeah. I I opened myself up to a huge risk. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. some really bad things could have happened. Fortunately, they didn't. Yeah. But um, lucky. Yeah. simple things like that. And so, for me, it took educating myself and then also unlearning a lot of things um, from gender roles to uh, negotiating consent and all of those type of things and yeah it's it's really important um, especially that communication piece Mm -hmm. um, because yeah sex and sexuality is so taboo and it's like it's we're not supposed to pay attention to it. And then it's like either don't talk about it or it's hypersexualized. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's very, yeah, it's no, it's no great no area. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which makes it hard for people to casually talk about sex because right. they're either, we, we talked about this dynamic before. You almost feel like you have to be a slut or you have to be um, like a school marm. You can't yeah. do anything in between. Yeah. And you I can feel be like there needs to be in, in between. Day. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. it's mm-hmm. okay to be sexual and just be a person and mm-hmm. talk about things. <laughs> yeah, and we're actually really comfortable talking about sex because she's a sex therapist and sure. I have no boundaries. <laughs> but it actually has come up as aware. a problem sometimes because she starts talking about anal sex around a bunch of our friends and she's, she's saying, she'll say like, oh yeah, guy, every guy loves anal sex and all the guys in the room who are straight, they're like, no, they don't. <laughs> How dare you say such well, a thing? Oh, get the woman out. Get her out. <laughs> I don't quite say it that way. But no, like, you said that. I say many men enjoy that because obviously that's a access to your prostate. So right. when they do try it, it feels good. But that's the point. Like 
in certain social settings because I talk about sex all day every day I'm not always aware of where that filter is and thankfully well, Josh is a guy who says you know Angela you should pull that back a little bit <laughs> why don't we talk a little bit actually about the prostate the male prostate mm. and oh. how it is a part of the sexual male organ because the penis extends externally mm-hmm. and then on the inside it's connected to the prostate which goes behind the what do you call it? the anal cavity what do you call it it's uh it, it's under the well we could look it up but like it's under the urethra and it's kind of um yeah. behind the balls but like it's a little bit easier to access mm-hmm. the back of it through the anus mm-hmm. um, but you can also access it through deep tissue massage mm-hmm. around the penis like i don't right. know if you've felt this before but like if you kind of go deep you can fi- feel the base mm-hmm. of the penis yeah. below the skin yeah and you can kind of access the prostate between the balls and the anus yeah mm-hmm. the visuals yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. like have you done deep tissue massages to kind of try and get into that prostate area yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah what's that like um <laughs> it's <laughs> Uh, it takes a little bit more time versus when you actually insert yeah. inside the anus. Um, yeah, that's but, obviously quicker. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but yeah. Um, and most of your uh, uh, sexual clients are male, you mm-hmm. said. Yes. I would say 98%. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and are most of them doing wanting anal or is it more oral? Or <clears throat> um, So a vast majority of them... Um, are content with oral. Sorry. Um, some. Um, yeah, everybody loves a good blowjob. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Why would you say well, no to yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> some some prefer uh, intercourse. Um, yeah. It really just depends. Yeah, it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. Sounds good. All right. Well, are there any final? Are there any final stories or things that you want to make sure that we cover in our podcast? Because I feel like we've covered like a whole <laughs> lot of stuff. Well, we want to make sure you're getting to important things that you want to talk about. Yeah, any message um, you want to share? Wow, uh, we talked about so much. <laughs> <laughs> Probably feel a little overloaded. Here's, here's the thing: we've had people download this in China, in Iran, all around the world, Africa. So it's amazing awesome. that any message you have of positive sexuality. Yeah, you what do you want to tell the world? What do you want to tell? <laughs> if you know, see a young man in Iran, say, what do you want to tell him? If he is queer and he doesn't want to be out you know are you scared or he's wow. scared yeah um <laughs> that's a hard question it is. <laughs> let's put that all on his shoulders put it'll it be fine i save the world right now <laughs> no just change no it. pressure <laughs> just Let him answer. It. yeah and so <laughs> staying true to yourself sounds simple but mm-hmm. it's really difficult yeah um hmm. and i will say that when you take up that initiative to be your authentic self, it's going to take a lot of pain. It's going to take a lot of uncomfortability. It's going to take a lot of um, emotions. Yeah, risk. risk, All of that. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, But at the same time, I think that it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, because when you can get in a space in which you are your authentic self, I think that's, that's when you truly see yourself shine. Yeah. And through that, I think you attract other people who are really interested in the genuine you. Mm -hmm. And so you attract people in your life who can help you, whether that's friends or family members or partners, whatever that may be. You may lose some friends. Yeah, yeah. But but for me, I think that's a filtering process. I think that gets rid of the people that you don't need anyway. Yeah, they're they're toxic. Mm -hmm. They're not going to love you for who you are. For sure, yeah. But 
you know, it, it gets dicey depending on where you are. But at the same time, I think that it's vitally important that you have, you know, one, two, three people in your life that know your authentic self and that mm-hmm. you can be real with and be honest with and vulnerable with. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, keeping that stuff inside, it leads to some really bad things. Yeah. <laughs> it does. And yeah. um, actually, um, one of the main ones it leads us to, to is depression. When people yeah. don't feel like they're authentic, they are their authentic self. They feel like they're putting up a facade. Nobody knows them. Nobody yeah. truly loves them. And they that's might, actually a very lonely place to be. Yeah. They mm-hmm. might be depressed. They might feel shame about having those feelings, having those attractions, you know, mm-hmm. which is natural. But mm-hmm. I appreciate okay. you say it's hard because like it's everybody hard. says, just be you or be your authentic yeah. self. Right. But it's not like this magical thing like i'm me you know yeah. like it's this process hi i'm josh <laughs> <laughs> you have to learn about yourself yeah. and keep growing and exploring to continue being your authentic self mm-hmm. yeah well thank you for being here it was great to meet you likewise yeah, it was excellent meeting you <laughs> and hearing your stories and i i wish you the best of luck and definitely mm-hmm. keep educating people i think it's very important for people to understand about marginalized communities especially people who are queer and african-american mm-hmm. which you got a bigger struggle going on there so do we have any being here do we have any plugs though like usually this is the time in the show where we well, offer either you or me a chance for well, that he's not more anonymous so i don't well think i know but he did well, say he wanted you to plug something yeah so uh yeah, sex files of st louis sex is Files. a really 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 awesome organization here yeah. um they do a lot of the work that we talk about yeah. education transparency and awareness Mm-hmm. Um, and so as someone who is queer and in a non-monogamous relationship, I saw that as an opportunity to find my community, yeah. um, find like-minded individuals and really grow. Um, yeah. And so um, I've been a part of that um, organization and like going to events for like maybe three or four years now. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. So and if people so, want to be educated yep. on that stuff, they can find you at find on sex, Facebook, meet up, uh, sex positive St. Louis, sex mm-hmm. Yep. And they can, you guys can check it out there. Yeah. Learn and a lot finally, of new stuff. My plugs too. So what do you got going on? <laughs> I got, uh, so I just, um, finished my manuscript for helping couples overcome infidelity, a therapist's manual. Expect that book to come out later this year. Um, and I also have a training at WashU about that book and about how to train couples in um, in affair work. And then the final thing is that I'm doing the keynote for MMHCA, the Men- Missouri Mental Health Counselors Association. Um, so please check that out if you're a therapist or you're just a mental health enthusiast. <laughs> and for all our streamers and uh, stream viewers and our podcast listeners we now have a youtube channel mm-hmm. and we have a periscope channel you can We're check everywhere. us out on, on twitter <laughs> um and i'll post that in the link there but the one new one that i really want to plug is the youtube channel it's at the sex podcast okay so, that's cool. it. and of course if you need therapy www.therapistinstlouis.com i'm willing to help uh, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. This was a wonderful interview. Thank you Thanks all for, for being yeah, here. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a good night. Yep.